Individual therapy can be such a rewarding process. Unfortunately, a lot of people reject it because they're afraid of the unknown. I am Naya B, therapist, author, speaker, educator, and influencer, and I welcome you to do individual therapy with me. Take this journey and listen as unfiltered and unscripted brave souls heal and share their stuck points. My hope is that someone listening can relate to their stories and get a perspective on how real therapy takes place. Who knows? Maybe one day decide to get some therapy of their own. But when you do, though, just come do it with me, Naya B. Hey everybody, welcome to another session of Doing It With Naya B. And we are almost to the season finale of this Heartbreak series. And so before we get there though, I think it's important for us to touch base on all the things that go on with mental health. It is Mental Health Awareness Month and I definitely have some treats for you in store. So before we get started, I want to introduce to you guys, um, Sophia. Sophia has come to me to do it with Naya B. So what's up, Sophia? Hello, how are you? I am well. How are you? I'm doing good. Tell me a little bit about what made you want to do it with Naya B. Um, I saw your post on Facebook and I know that, um, I have a story to tell. Um, it's a story of triumph. And so um, when you mentioned um, like a online podcast of um, uh, like a therapy session or a um, mental health wellness session, um, I thought that um, I, I had a story that would really benefit your, um, your, your platform and, um, help you, you know, along the way. So. All right, cool. Tell me a little bit about your story. Um, so I, um, was diagnosed as bipolar one month after I got married. So, um, I got married in July and in August, um, I had my first episode where um, I drove um, into the hills of Arkansas and um, disturbed a it was like a play, I think. It was a a, a public event. It was, I think it was a play that um, was like a Christian play, kind of like those reenactments of like Noah's Ark or um, Jesus being crucified. But because in, in the hills of Arkansas, there's this statue that looks very similar to what you see over um, Rio de Janeiro um with um Christ with his arms outstretched and so I interrupted the um event and the police was called and I was arrested and I was I had been awake for at least 48 hours by that point I just I couldn't sleep I was just up 
and um, I, so I was arrested and um, eventually my family, they were able to get a phone number out of me and my family was contacted. And um, I was um, admitted into a hospital and um, remained for about 10 days, for about 10 days. Um, and that I, I was, I, I had no clue what was going on um, because this, I had never been diagnosed. I had never had any issues, any problems as far as like um, having hallucinations or um, any, any mental health um, problems. So it, it all came upon me very fast. And like I said previously, it was exact, it was one month after I got married. So um, it, was, it was just a shock. I, I had no clue that I was bipolar. So um, when they told me, I think I kind of realized what was going on when they started to give me the medication because I recognized um, the name of the medication from um, familial history of mental illness um, growing up and how, um, you know, I had family members that struggled also, but I didn't know I was, was a part, you know, had the same struggles. So um, when they started seeing the medication that they wanted to give me, I'm like, who y'all giving that to, you know, like, Mm -mm, I don't take that medicine, you know, that that's not for me. And then so that's kind of when I realized what was going on. But that was days into um, my admittance into the hospital. So, OK, um, take me back to the marriage. What year did this happen? Was this in 2020? 2010. 2010. OK, so it was so you were diagnosed 11 years ago. Um, yes. Okay, so prior to the diagnosis, what was it that brought you in to even be evaluated? When I got arrested. So that was the incident that got you evaluated. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so prior to that, you had not had any symptoms of depression at all. So no sadness, no withdrawal, no isolation. Yes, I did. I didn't know what it was. Okay. Back okay. then um, in 2010, it wasn't very widely discussed, even though that wasn't that long ago. Um, at least I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to it, you know? So um, yes, as I reflect back, I remember crying a lot. I remember before the, um, the incident, before my first episode, I do remember feeling very lonely. I do remember um, feeling anxious, um, but I thought that all was kind of just a part of, you know, living, I was living um, very far away from home and in a new city. So, um, and I made some bad decisions during that time frame. I left a, a very good job to go into my current profession. And it was just, you know, mad, you know, everybody was like, why she do that? Why she do that? And I mean, hey, it probably was because I wasn't in my right mind at the time, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I had no clue that I was bipolar until um, my diagnosis in my first episode. Okay. 
Well, thank you for sharing. I think it takes a very brave person to be able to say, you know what, I struggled with bipolar disorder and um, I wasn't aware. And, and I think that these are some of the things that um, people need to hear because they may not understand or know themselves, you know, what to look for. And for those of you who are um, tuning in or listening, um, Sophia just kind of shared a little bit about her experience with being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I'm assuming that that part was very heartbreaking for you, right? Because you have been going all this time and not really knowing the signs, knowing the symptoms. And then you have this episode where, you know, you've kind of caused this scene and now you're having to be evaluated and here you are right before you get married, you know, you have to bring this 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 new information into a marriage, right? So Correct. tell me what you know about bipolar disorder. <clears throat> um, from what I understand, what happened with me was um, I had a manic episode. So in bipolar, there's two um, extremes, I guess is one way to put it. It's um, the depression and then it's the manic episode and so in the depression episode that's kind of something that maybe everyone has experienced as far as feeling down and feeling sad and not really feeling like doing something but it's the manic piece of it that kind of can get you in trouble because you have so such a heightened energy during those episodes and you do kind of dangerous things um like how I drove hours from home into the mountains and um I um when you're in a manic episode you may spend money recklessly like you may not pay your bills you may not pay your um you know your responsibilities you're just spending money you know like crazy or you may engage in um, like very promiscuous relationships when you're having a manic episode. And it just, is, it feels really good. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When you're having a manic episode, it feels amazing. But the extreme of that amazing feeling, you feel, you feel a grandiose mentality that you can conquer the world, you can, um, solve all problems you have all the answers you you talk a lot you have um um like a, if if you know people may you may talk to every person that you see and just have like all this information and just talk 100 miles per hour and they're like what is she even saying like it's a, a rambling um when you're going through a manic episode so I experienced all those things up into up until my episode I remember when I was, when I first, um, when, when it was me and my husband, ex-husband, but we were talking and I, I was just talking and 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 I would not stop. And I think that what I kind of was, he probably, we probably got into an argument. We got into an argument, but I think that what led to that argument was the fact that I wouldn't shut up. You know what I mean? Like I just had so much to say at that time. And um, and so it just spiraled out of control from there. And with, I was, like I said, a month into my marriage. And to me, I feel as though 
and I can't speak for anyone else. I can't really say how he felt, but you know, to go into a brand new marriage and then to find out that your wife has such a, you know, impactful illness that, you know, you could feel deceived. You can feel as though you tricked me. You know, you can feel as though, you know, why didn't you tell me that you had this this going on? You knew. And it's like, I really didn't. I really did not know that I was bipolar. I really didn't even know what bipolar was, even though I had a, I knew what mental illness was. I knew what sickness was. We call it sick. You're sick. Um, and when you're sick, you know, you you go stay in the hospital and, you know, on the psych ward and, you know, take the medicine. You got to take your medicine. I remember those things. Growing up as a child, like, take your medicine. You ain't taking your medicine. Well, you finna go down this, this dark hole into being in the hospital eventually. So I remember all those things. And so that's why I, I felt, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk with you, Naya, is because I want people to understand that it's okay to have a diagnosis such as this. Like you can live mm-hmm. a normal life, even though you di- you are diagnosed as bipolar. It's not a, a death sentence or a sentence to your hopes and dreams and, and abilities and the things that you can accomplish. You can accomplish everything that you want, probably to a higher degree because of that superpower that you have is bipolar illness because you can tap into some energies and some you know amazing feelings that will allow you to conquer the world even though you know so it, it i think of it as a superpower i really do because it really um is something that i have learned to manage i have learned to control i do take my medicine on a regular basis a consistent basis and um, even though i may feel down or up or elevated my medicine kind of keeps me so that they're not so extreme and i'm not irritable because irritation is another um symptom of bipolar like people who are very moody um very irritable really snappy like oh she just went off on him oh he just he man can't nobody talk to him because he we won't listen at all you know those are things that you may struggle with by being you know diagnosed as bipolar and and not even know it or realize it yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I find it commendable that you are so aware and self-aware of um, your diagnosis as well as what that looks like within you, because a lot of people are not aware. They're not aware of the signs and symptoms and they're not educated um, on mental illness. And you hear a lot of times people say, well, I'm bipolar, I'm bipolar. Well, a couple of couple of things that strikes me when people say that is one, Sometimes we become so engulfed in the mental illness or the disorder or diagnosis that we become enmeshed with it and then we don't separate ourselves from it. But I think it's important for people to separate themselves from the disorder because you don't want to own so much of it that becomes who you are. You know, like you're a Sophia, you know what I'm saying? You're not bipolar, you know, and some people will say, I'm bipolar. No, you, you are someone who has a diagnosis of bipolar, or you have symptoms of bipolar. And I think people over the years, the diagnosis have changed. Um, 
And, you know, as clinicians, we are trained to identify the diagnosis, do the assessments, those type of things. If you happen to have a clinical, you know, um, clinician, if you have someone who's really clinical and who understands um, diagnosis and mental illness and those type of things, you know, you're, you're, you're trained to kind of study how things change over time. And I think what happens with or what happened with the diagnosis of bipolar disorder is that people kind of get it confused with, you know, you have major depressive disorder with manic symptoms, right? And then you have uh, just generalized depression or you just have major depression without manic symptoms. And then you may have bipolar disorder, which is its own category, mm-hmm. right? And it comes with a level of dissociation, uh, dissociation. And I think that some people, they see it as chronically just mood swings. And it's like, no, when someone says, oh, I'm, I'm a bit moody. I was sad like at five o'clock and then at seven o'clock I was happy. I think I'm bipolar. No, mm-hmm. that is not what bipolar disorder looks like, you know? Um, and people can develop it in many ways. And it sounds like you had a genetic predisposition to the disorder, because I've heard you mention that family members had experienced certain type of uh, symptoms and you remember growing up. And so at some point you didn't realize that, oh, wow, I may have been affected by this as well. There are certain Mm -hmm. things that contributes to the trigger of the disorder, you know, in a person's life. And sometimes that may look like change, let down symptoms, things that make your symptoms of depression more heightened. And so what happens is those things are not dealt with or managed, you begin to what I call tap out, right? And so the mm-hmm. tap out is what comes becomes this grandiose sense of, of personality where you go through these extremes and you engage in all these risky behaviors and you start to just to really tap out, right? Because you've experienced the, the unipolar or the one level, right? For a while, which is that what, what, what people will consider the low. The isolation, the depression, the crying spells. Um, sometimes that may look like anger. Sometimes I look like don't want to be bothered, left alone. Right. That's where the agitation comes in. Some of the anxiety. People don't realize that anxiety is definitely associated with depression. People think that if they are um, anxious, they can't be depressed or that one's not associated with the other. Most of the time, anxiety comes with um, having a diagnosis of depression, right? Mm-hmm. So over time we'll begin to you know experience those type of things and then it will your your other coping skill will come in this is where mm-hmm. the that grandiose sense of personality comes in to protect you from right. that other part which is that sadness, which is that depression. So now you're like, I'm not, and this is the psyche of someone who struggles with bipolar disorder. This is how that manifests and how that develops. So over time, they become, they've reached a threshold on that sadness. And it's like, you know what? I'm about to go over here and be totally different from what I've been experiencing. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's not even something that they're very aware of. They just know that they wish, they've reached a threshold on that, on that, Mm -hmm. on on that sadness, on that isolation, on that depression, on the symptoms of depression. So now they have to tap into that manic part where they may engage in extreme coping, extreme coping. This is the money spending. This is the, you know, promiscuity. This is the maybe falling off the face of the earth. Uh Yes. Food. This is the gambling. Mm -hmm. Yes. Drugs, alcohol. This is the extreme joy. Let's have a great time. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. You know, the overspending, this is that, that manic part, right? So at some point that part has to come down, right? Right. And it's extreme. Let's talk about that part. Tell me, 
Mm-hmm. How was that? Even within a marriage, how how was that 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 come down? Because I don't I don't think people quite understand what that does to a psyche or what that does to a person yeah. or their lifestyle when they have to come off of that high of a bipolar episode or a manic episode. For me, it resulted in a fast weight gain. I gained weight really quickly. And so um, I gained like 25 pounds in one month. And then it just snowballed from there. And before I knew it, I mean, I got pregnant. And then before I knew it, I was over 200 pounds and and plus. So um, that's how it manifested with me was in um, weight gain. And um, I, I, I experienced some loss. I lost a job because um, I had relocated to the area. And um, the, the job that I had, you know, I lost because I, was, I missed two weeks because I was in the hospital. And so, um, but I, I, I can only speak for myself. You know, and so during that time frame, you know, I got unemployment and I just began to um, brainstorm and think about my next plan. So I started my master's degree, started my master's degree. That was, and I think that was kind of like a, like a rise to another manic episode because, um, halfway through that first semester, I had to drop out. I had to drop out my classes because I just did not have the will to do anything. I did not have the will to do a paper. And I loved the classes, the things that I was learning. I was very interested in it. But my my will just dropped again. And at that point I was pregnant. And so, um, you know, I, I dropped the classes and I was just at home for my whole pregnancy. And I watched um, Law and Order SVU the whole time, like, and went to Dollar Tree. <laughs> like, I just remember, like, going to Dollar Tree, going to garage sales and just watching Law and Order SVU the whole time I was pregnant. So when I had my son, I had another episode like seven days after I gave birth because I had, while I was pregnant, I stopped taking the medication. And um, I had a, another episode. And so I got put back in the hospital and for another 10 days or so. And well, you know, I had a newborn at home and, you know, once again, here it is. My ex-husband was going through a crazy time. Um, so he had to take care of the baby while I was in the hospital. My mom, she came down. She helped out a lot. Um, she took care of the baby for me, too. But after that, I, I knew that that was going to be the last time that I was admitted into a hospital. Because I remember my first time, or maybe I remember, you know, while I was in the hospital, you know, you meet other people who are going through things and have um, 
you know, certain episodes. And I remember seeing women who were 50 and 60 and 70 years old. And I said, I don't want to be that. I said, get yourself together. You, you don't want to be in your 50s and 60s in a psych ward. So whatever you got to do, whatever pill you got to take to get yourself together, do it. And I followed my my plan and my program that my doctor put me on. And I've been following it for the past nine, 10 years, um, faithfully, because I just refuse to um, ever go through that again. Yeah, I think it's important to recognize not just how to manage it, but then recognize the triggers. And a couple of things I heard you say was that when you were overwhelmed, when you were stressed, when you started a new venture, when you felt alone, those are some of the things that might have triggered, you know, Mm -hmm. your symptoms and may have um, increased the possibility of a manic episode. And it sounds like over time, you were able to identify those things for you as well as how you wanted to cope and how you didn't want to cope. And I think that that's part of the issue for a lot of people. One, they don't recognize that they have the symptoms. Two, they Mm -hmm. don't um, really want to admit that they have the symptoms. Three, they don't know their triggers. And four, they don't know coping skills. And, Mm -hmm. And a couple of things that I think is important to know about struggling with a mental illness is not only does it, you know, happen with pre, you know, genetic dispositions, but it also comes with trauma. It also comes with uh, life changes. You know, it also comes with sometimes, you know, not so much as having, you know, lost a job, but sometimes having kids, you know, will Mm -hmm. change a, a woman's psyche. And will change the way a woman reacts and and how she develops. And and a lot of times we're supposed to just kind of suck it up, take on everything and move on. And no, that's that's not healthy. That's not healthy. And as a new mom and a new wife, like you were taking on a lot, plus a lot of changes. And it's almost like sometimes we go through life and we're like, oh, we can handle it. We can handle it. And then something will happen that sets us back. That says, okay, sis. Sit, sit down a little bit and just pay attention to yourself. You know, pay attention to what you need and what you don't need. And if feeling overwhelmed and new situations, new environments, changes, those type of things are going to take a toll on you, then this is where you have to be proactive and figure out how to get ahead of it and not behind it. And it sounds like you've mastered getting ahead of it because you have been, you've relocated, you have maintained employment and you're raising your child. And tell me a little bit about how, how this all affected your marriage. It was, it was a strain. It was a strain on our marriage. Um, Eventually we did divorce um, 10 years, nine years later. Um, and I think that it was a huge mark of embarrassment for him. I mean, like I said, I can't really speak for him. You know, I got to only speak for myself, but I just know how I felt when I was with him mm-hmm. because it wasn't a secret. You know, a lot of people knew what happened to me. A lot of people knew that, you know, I went through that. And so I think that for him, it was hard to 
kind of cope with that because he 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 knows a lot of people in the area small town mentality everybody knows everybody everybody knows everything and so um but he's he did he did stick with me though like even though I say that he was very he was he was with me he was with me you know he didn't he didn't leave me to the wayside as soon as it happened he he stuck it out with me and I you know and I I am grateful to him for that because um he didn't have to you know that that could have been an annulment instantly to our marriage but you know he he believed in me and you know eventually I got back on my feet I was off from work for about two years from 2010 until 2012, mm-hmm. I, I didn't work. And he supported me during that time frame and um, provided financially and um, took care of the household and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm grateful for him and I appreciate him for being there for me during that time, even though I know it wasn't easy for him. Yeah. And that sounds awesome. I mean, I think that the most important thing for a lot of people when they're struggling or going through is the type of support that you have. Because you don't want anybody that's going to shame you or make you feel bad for having a condition that, one, you didn't ask for, and two, you know, you're trying your best to make sense of and manage at the same time. Speaking of management, I know it's important to have a lifestyle that supports recovery, right? Tell me about your lifestyle. What do you do intentionally to help you manage outside of medication? Medication is cool, but there has to be some sort of lifestyle change um, for you. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I'm, I'm very ambitious in my career. Um, and so I, I work hard, um, in that area of my life. And I, um, you know, I, 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 I've, I've learned now how the importance of my diet affects me. It took me a long time to kind of see that connection, but um, I've learned that sugar is my enemy and not just in a way that causes me to gain weight, but it also is my enemy in my mentality because it, it kind of clouds my um, mental space when I have a lot of sugar and, and carbs and things like that. I, I think a lot clearer when I follow a low carb diet and um and um so that's the one thing I have heard like the benefits of like exercising and things like that but um that's just something I just gotta really work on yeah I'm not, <laughs> I'm not very like um into exercising but I have heard that it's, it's amazing mm-hmm. for, especially when you're going through like a depression and I have experienced that um like wow because I, I you know when I was trying to figure out how to lose weight I was exercising like by going by on long walks for like five miles and I would get like a lot of mental clarity while I was walking like a lot of questions and things that I was going through, I kind of resolved in my mind on those walks. So, um, you know, it, it, you know, but it's just something that I need to do more consistently and kind of follow a routine with. But um, 
I have a strong support system. My family is awesome. They listen to me. My dad is a great support. My sister is a great support. Um, and so when I'm going through and I feel like I'm facing some depression, I, I'll say it, you know, like, oh, I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling kind of depressed. And so I just, you know, kind of one of my things that I do when I'm in that moment is I, I lay down in complete darkness for hours and just kind of just lay down and be still. You know, that's one thing that I do. I don't know if that's healthy, but it's what helps me a little bit feel better sometimes. Um, but, you know, I think that just like you, like you spoke to, just being aware of my triggers is my, my, my key. Um, I, I'm divorced, you know, dating. And so when I'm, I'm um, dating, and you know you go through breakups and all that stuff, but I don't I don't let it get to me more than a day. I give my I give it a day, you know. Hey, he fucked up, but I, you know I I stay optimistic that I'll meet somebody who you know speaks to me and who gives me what I need. And I I've I've met someone within the mat last um, month or so that I really like. You know I enjoy spending time with him, so that's healthy for me. And fostering healthy relationships has helped me a lot too. Mm -hmm. Um, I um, keep people in my life who mean well. If I see that you're triggering some some attitudes in me, then I can't have you be a part of my life because you're not healthy for me. So I just keep a healthy lifestyle in that sense in my relationships and. you know, care of my son and do my job and my work and my career and just, you know, you know, live my best life as, as best as I can. Yeah. So, and that's something that I, I really wanted to share with your, 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 your audience is don't think of it as a bad thing. You know, it's just something that you deal with diabetes, high blood pressure, you know, mental illness, is just that uh, illness and and it's not something that should stop you from continuing to achieve your dreams i i completely agree with you i think that uh, a lot of times people do see diagnosis as something debilitating as something to be ashamed of or something that's you know embarrassing and i think with any other you know illness whether it's a cold or whether it's you know uh like you said high blood pressure diabetes you have to manage it, right? You have to watch what you eat. You have to watch what you take in. You have to make sure that you are treating yourself so that you can build your immune system. And I think that there are things that we can do for our brains that help us increase those positive hormones and secrete those, you know, um, positive things that needs to happen. And what I heard you say was that you, you foster positive relationships as far as coping, you watch what you eat, you watch your sugar intake, you realize that those things, um, play a huge factor in your symptoms. And, you know, I, I always tell people, did you notice? 
sexual abuse and trauma is my specialty. So many of my clients that come to me, they do have a diagnosis and a lot of them have eating disorders. They may struggle with um, schizophrenia or they may have schizoaffective disorder. They may have major depressive disorder with manic symptoms, bipolar depression. So a lot of my, my clients do struggle with mental illness of some kind. And I encourage people who struggle with especially depression I tell them all the time, the best way to fight that is to get up and move. And I heard you talk about exercise and that's one of the most, that's the strongest thing that you can do in order to help um, fight bipolar disorder because it will give you that balance. You know, you have, an, you have what is just, you're overstimulated with the stress hormone, right? So in order to balance that out, you're going to need some endorphins. You're going to need some dopamine. You're going to need some, and, and to balance it, not to have a high sense of it, right? Because what happens is mm-hmm. in order to fight that high level of stress, you go to the extreme and that brings you this overwhelming sense of dopamine. That's really, really not healthy because it's addictive, right? And then you mm-hmm. come off of that high and now you're, it's like an addiction, right? You come off that high and then you're flooded again with the stress hormones, right? So in order to balance that out, you have to have a mixture of uh, positive influences and positive triggers to the left side of that brain. And so that looks like working out. That looks like yoga. That looks like, you know, like the walking every day. That looks like getting up and doing things around the house. And so I can't say whether or not meditating in the dark and having that moment for yourself is helpful um, because, I'm not, I'm not treating you. So I don't really know per se your history when it comes to that. But if you were someone that I was treating for a long time, um, I definitely would say that dark meditating is probably not the best, (laughs) but, you know, adding a little bit of light, whether that's a candle or whether there's something there, you know, to kind of give you again, that sense of balance because your brain needs that stimulation of the balance, you know? Um, And Mm -hmm. sometimes when we're, when our spirits are sometimes in a dark place, because that's what happens with depression, your spirit, regardless of what it exposed to may be in a dark place. And so when we add darkness on top of darkness, it just doesn't support the stimulation that we need in order to improve our mood and to improve our overall thinking. So I would just challenge you to maybe add a little light, just a little candle, Mm -hmm. some sounds, you know, those type of things just to kind of help encourage the movement that needs to take place in order to balance out these symptoms. Um, But so, so, so much. So it sounds like you're on the right track with just how you're managing. I think support systems are important, but the lifestyle the lifestyle has to be important as much as possible. The change in the lifestyle people, and maybe they do know that I struggle with anxiety. I had, I've had anxiety for a very long time. I used to um, really struggle with it because I had these panic attacks and I have a fight or flight thing that goes on. I don't, I don't run from conflict. I run towards it. So most of the time when I have anxiety, I'm ready to knock somebody out. I'm ready to tear some stuff up. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had to create a lifestyle that decreased my urges to knock people out and to fight. You know what I'm saying? So that meant I wasn't, I had to be intentional about what I watched on television. I couldn't watch anything that was about violence towards people of color. I couldn't watch any type of, um, you know, fighting amongst people of color. I can't watch anything that's going to get me hype. I cannot. 
I need to have chill. My lifestyle has to be chill. I can't get into certain debates with people and arguments. I have to be able to exit conversations with the quickness. Like, hey, I'm going to exit stage left on this. You can have that. Like I had to be totally intentional. Even when it came to disciplining my children, I can't spank them. I don't spank them because Mm. I know that if I hit, I'm going to hit too hard and that's it. You know, and I so I had to be intentional about changing my lifestyle, what I eat, what I watch. I definitely need comedy. I need comedy in my life. I need to laugh. I need to, Mm -hmm. you know, be intentional about how I'm smiling. I have I watch love stories because it gives me an escape. You know, it's a fantasy for me. Unfortunately, (laughs) love stories are fantasies, (laughs) (laughs) but it gives me an escape. So I say all that to just say. When you struggle with a mental illness, you have to be intentional about the lifestyle. That's where okay. your growth is going to come in. That's where, and get you a therapist, get you, a, you know, someone that you can purge on every week. That's not going to judge you sometimes twice a week, if you want to. And of course you get some sessions with this, but you know, I think it has to be intentional. Your lifestyle has to be supportive of that in, in all the ways, because everybody's not going to understand what you're going through. Some people will tell you, just pray about it, shake it off, give it to God. Yeah, well, God's going to send you some people to help you through that. You know what I'm saying? So, I, yeah. and, I, and I think that that's and what's I've, I've important attended, too. Um, I've attended therapy, especially when I was going through my divorce mm-hmm. and the year I was going through my divorce, like I was, I needed some somebody to say, girl. <laughs> I'm telling you, we we are lifesavers. We are lifesavers. Yes. 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 And having the right because... fit. You have to have the right fit too. Because yes. if you don't have someone that specializes in clinical disorders, you know, it, it's going to do more harm than good. So you got to be intentional about finding the right person too. But I think you're on the mm-hmm. right track and I'm proud of you. And I think it takes a lot of courage and bravery to just come and share. And I applaud you. I mean, you are changing lives, believe it or not, you know, with your story and how you are managing. And I'm sure there's some people out here listening that will definitely take heed to what you're saying and be more mindful and pay more attention to themselves and that's what this is all about so I applaud you and I'm so grateful for you Sophia thank you so much for sharing thank you yes thank you for this outlet thank you for allowing me to share my story um that is my hope is that someone who is trying to understand what's going on with them and everything that they're feeling can kind of think okay maybe I do need to reach out and get some help for this if nothing else do that if nothing else do that so yes i'm here for you and you know where to reach me and listen no there's a no judgment zone here and i man this was powerful thank you so so much um you guys if you want to get in touch with me you can follow me on instagram at author underscore naya underscore b and in the meantime i appreciate you so for doing it with naya b and you guys can catch me on the flip side have a good one